Hey, hey, Caroline here. This week's episode is a little unusual. In fact, I only got the idea to create it just over 24 hours ago, so it's a bit of a wild experiment. Yesterday morning, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and had the intense urge to get up and clean. I know myself well enough to know that I clean when I feel out of control in another area of my life, but I couldn't really connect with why I would be feeling so helpless. So on I went with my morning. By 7.30, I was in a workout class. As I started to get really into my body with my exercise, I started to feel anger and sadness to the point that I almost started crying in the middle of class. Oh, I realized. I think this is anxiety and sadness and grief all connected to what's going on in my country right now. The anger and embarrassment and confusion over innocent children being separated from their parents at the border. Okay, so my irritation that I was feeling towards a friend might not actually be all their fault. Maybe that was a bit displaced. Maybe I need to be gentle with myself today. Maybe I need to let my husband Jaden know that I'm experiencing a lot of grief. Fast forward another hour or two and I'm back at home in the shower. Then it hits me. So many other people have to be experiencing this. So many other Americans are trying to show up, to support, to stand for justice and equality, but it's so hard to do that from a place of anger. It's even harder to do that when it's a delayed realization of what we're actually going through. So I decided to do this, this wild experiment. I created an Instagram story asking anyone to record a voice memo, letting me know how it feels to be an American right now, what self-care looks like in the midst of those feelings, and how social media impacts their process. I created a two-hour window for recordings. Two hours! I literally didn't know if I would get three responses. And yet, what you're about to hear are some of the most profound, honest, intimate, and raw words I have ever been trusted with. First, there's the processing part, the vulnerable sharing. Maybe you'll relate. Maybe you thought you were alone and feeling crazy with the state of the world. Or maybe you'll start to connect with what your body has been trying to tell you and realize that the angst you feel is not all your own. Next, we'll hear from a few guests who are professionals that were generous enough to connect with me at a moment's notice and shed their lights on what America is experiencing right now and strategies for health in the process. As a side note, let it be known that this episode is by no means intended to undermine the pain experienced by marginalized groups. Instead, my intention is to empower us all to use our voices to share so that we can be more effective and more unified in our strategies to heal and to stand for justice. Oh, and this is only a one-part episode, so there won't be a social media Q&A part two, but it goes without saying that my cat footwear question is for myself today. And the question is, how is this risk going for you? And my answer... While I don't yet know the outcome and I have no idea how many people this work will impact, this willingness to be bold and throw myself into a conviction that I sensed has already resulted in one of the most connected and humbling experiences I have ever had in my social media life. If you called in and shared your heart with me and with us, I am so honored by your trust. We've only just begun. We all have to stay alive, right? We have to keep going. We have to keep taking care of our families and doing our work. Um, we can't afford to numb out. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. 
How does it feel to be an American right now? Being an American right now in one word feels embarrassing. I'm embarrassed that we have allowed our powerful elected officials to run our country without values so focused on their own personal gain as opposed to what we all need to live and thrive in this country. So it is very embarrassing to be an American right now. Um, I'm really ashamed of a lot of the stuff our country's doing and... I'm also ashamed of myself for not doing as much as I probably could. I have never been more embarrassed to be an American right now. Um, Also infuriated. Uh, I think the past years has definitely bummed me out to read the news um, and just to kind of feel a little helpless. I feel sad to be an American right now. I feel ashamed and just disbelief. Being an American right now is hard and frustrating and embarrassing and traveling in the world is really hard right now saying that I'm an American and this is coming from somebody who's really proud to be an American and studied political science in my undergraduate and graduate degrees so it's hard. In so many ways Americans are being cruel, ungrateful, just very hurtful unkind humans and it makes me very ashamed to be one right now it feels embarrassing chilling and lonely to be an american it's disappointing it's embarrassing being an american right now is terrifying especially when you're someone who has a family member that has alien residency and more so when you have family members who are Jewish and who have fled a war that's surprisingly similar to the one you see brewing. I think I have this certain fear and anxiety and urgency in the back of my mind at all times these days. I'm just waiting for the next law to be made that destroys families or the next comment to be made to groups of people who deserve nothing but love and acceptance. And I think it's really easy for us to let our disappointment and our fear and anxiety silence us and make us numb to the things that are going on in our political climate. I think the biggest thing aside from embarrassment that I've been feeling about being an American is fear. Um, I've been, I already have terrible anxiety and since Donald Trump has been in office and all of the things that he's been doing, um, my anxiety has been out of control. Um, I've literally been afraid that I was going to die, like convinced, um, and not because of any situation, but because I was afraid that any of the situations that are happening could happen to me. I usually have to remain ignorant of the political climate because I feel things too intensely. What is happening with these children is just devastating. Want to be able to help, but everything feels so ineffective. So after I make the calls and write the letters and donate the money, I have to turn my brain off. I have to hide and pretend this isn't happening in my country. Um, Being an American right now feels pretty shameful, and honestly, it's kind of activating my wonderlust and making me feel like all I want to do is 
be out of the country, putting energy into experiencing other cultures. Being on my phone and constantly seeing the news can feel overwhelming in a really bad way and makes me sometimes step away and just not read things and not think about things for a while if I know that I'm not in a place where I can really process or know what to do about what's going on. And then at other times, it's amazing to see a lot of people come together and fight for something that they believe or to take action about something that they feel is wrong and to inform other people on how to react and how to get involved. So I try to be aware of what my mental state is so I know if it's an appropriate time for me to get involved or if I just need to take a step away and come back at a better time for when I'm able to actually process and be helpful. Being an American today feels clarifying in a way that's kind of hard to explain. It feels like for the first time, people are looking at the horrific things happening in our present, and they're really using that as a launching off platform to look at the horrific things in our past. I think a lot of people are realizing that everything they see around them, the injustice, it's happened before over and over again. And we have to start grappling with that if we're really going to move forward. How does it feel to be an American right now? It feels nuts. It would take my entire 60 seconds to list off all the things that are just completely fucking insane that are happening in this country right now. And and the feeling of nuts is that it, it will make you go nuts. It's hard to be an American. Now, I'm going to say that differently. It's hard to be a white American. It is hard to have your snug white privilege that you wrapped yourself up in ripped away. It's hard to face the realities that every immigrant that has ever crossed our border illegally has faced because ripping children from families is nothing new. They've been doing it for decades. It's just new policies have made it where every person that crosses illegally over the Mexico border is a criminal. So families get ripped apart. It's hard to face the realities that every person of color has ever faced in this nation. But you know what? I'm okay having my white privilege, my snug, warm white privilege ripped away. I'm okay with having the wool removed to my eyes. I'm okay for the wool being removed from your eyes. Being in America right now feels like a lot of uncertainty. It feels like looking around and seeing so many little and big issues that I don't even know how they're going to be resolved or what the country or the world is going to look like even 10 or 20 years from now. That's weird disappointed that this is happening. We can't stop it. So sad for those families and for every other horrible policy that's been enacted. It feels very tense because it feels like everything that is being done is being done out of resistance, whether it's something truly evil or whether it's something that is supposed to be a good humanitarian effort. Everything is being done out of this intense resistance of what we don't want. And that no matter what the thing being done is, the resulting energy is tense. I grew up with a naive and privileged idea about America that said we were the good guys. That was convenient and comfortable. And it was in so many ways, of course, a lie. I'm ashamed to be an American right now. 
and I'm afraid. It feels hard to be an American right now. It feels confusing and it feels very unfair. Why am I safe in my home and when there are so many kids who are not safe, who are being traumatized? The problem at our borders is very similar to the problem in our foster care system. Um, it also is the same amount of unfair as so many children who are not even born yet being killed without ever being given the chance to live. And all of it is broken, broken as hell. And when I think about so many children being traumatized right this very second, I feel intense anxiety. Oh, it is difficult to face what is happening in our country right now, where families are being torn apart, children fearful and traumatized. I have two daughters and I have seen their anxiety with being taken away from me for just a couple hours. The kind of trauma that is happening to these children is deep and lifelong. So I face this with a great ache, and it's not one that I'm trying to make go away. What it's like to be in America today is to be constantly on unstable footing, wondering, am I doing enough? What more can I do? Am I sounding tone deaf in my public and private conversations? Is my father-in-law going to be deported because he's been here since the 60s, but he's still only a permanent resident, not a citizen? Um, wondering about the wisdom of having children, bringing children into this world looking for an escape route when I walk into a grocery store or any other public space. It's being aware of the sense of safety and security that up until now I've taken for granted and not knowing what is going to take its place. It's really weird being an American that stays informed, but I think it's really important. Uh, it'd probably be easier uh, to be ignorant to what's happening right now but that's also extremely dangerous. I live in the South in a red state where Trump's approval rating is still 68%. And I have Christian family and friends who support him. And it's incredibly painful to know that people you care about think this is okay, that what's going on is okay. And I feel a lot of heartache and frustration and impotent rage. To take care of my mental health, I feel like I need to separate myself from what's going on in politics a bit because I am utterly disgraced to be an American. And there's also a downfall with that is if I don't help, who is going to? Because it's kind of, it goes to like the bystander effect with psychology, you know, there are so many people that can help and feel like help needs to be done. So we all think someone else will do it. But the problem is no one, I mean, people are, but you know, a lot more people need to for this to actually change. It feels vulnerable to be an American right now. It feels empowering. Like we actually have a chance to make a change and we have to do something. It feels scary. Um, I suffer from depression and last year was the worst. So being an American these days, it feels incredibly exhausting and overwhelming. 
Um, it feels like every day there's a new uh, fight to fight um, for human decency a lot of times. What's happening with families right now is horrific. It's inhumane. And yet there's a deep sense of familiarity. My family is Japanese, and my grandparents and aunt were incarcerated during World War II. My aunt was very young, probably under 10, and as I grew up, I saw the impacts that that experience had on various family members' mental health. Honestly, it feels scary as hell. It feels embarrassing. It feels overwhelming. Um, I don't think that I've ever felt this way um, because I have always been proud of the country that I'm from, but now learning about the people who live here, I am not so much anymore. I am a person of faith. I do call myself a Christian. And I believe that, like, someone who professes that should be the first person to call this out as, like, the evilest of evils. And, like, I, you know, I have, like, kind of a post-up and different things, like, that I see in behind, like, I don't understand how you could be, you know, pro-life or any of those things and not be, like, pro-immigrant child. And, um... And so I just have been having a little bit of a hard time with certain people more like within maybe family realms or, you know, places where I'm like, man, like not that they think it's right or that they agree with it, but just the fact that they're not as outraged, you know, and not as heartbroken mm-hmm. that they kind of just like mm-hmm. feel like they can just go about their business. Honestly, I'm experiencing a great dichotomy when I consider what it feels like to be an American today. On one hand, I feel proud and grateful, proud of the community I've made here, of the life I've built and who I've become, and grateful for all of the good and awesome stuff that I've learned and discovered here. Even though I don't sound American, which is because I was born in Australia, which I am also so supremely proud to be, I naturalized here as a US citizen around six years ago and have lived here for 11 years. So I've gotten to know the place fairly well. And that leads me to my contrasting feeling. I feel sad, I feel concerned, and I feel heartbroken that this wonderful nation, for all of its brilliant writings on how to be a wonderful nation, that stands out above all others as a melting pot and a center for opportunity and freedom, seems to be taking it all for granted. We are forgetting that we aren't guaranteed a future. We are still a wild experiment. Many countries have crumbled that were greater and we should be humbled by that thought. I'm sad that the writings that birthed the United States of America are starting to become a given rather than cherished and lived out. None of our values are real if they just stay on the paper. They get to be embodied in the way that we live as a people, and in the way that we experience one another, and the way that our neighbors on this earth experience us. And as an avid traveler and also as an immigrant, it's pretty clear to me that we've got a lot of work to do to switch out of our constitutional semantics and hyperbole and start living as an unmistakably united states. That's what I hope for. That's the promise I received when I got here. And it's up to all of us to make good on that promise. So that's a lot. Now what? How do you process it? And how do you care for yourself in the midst of all those feelings? 
Um, I process and practice self-care by maintaining a sense of humor, by empathizing with others' experiences, and most importantly, by voting. I am not surprised by this administration's abuse of power. I am not surprised that their winning ingredient to making all of this happen is white supremacy, xenophobia, racism. They have people in positions of power that are oppressing people of color across the board. If you think this isn't America, look back in our history. This has always been the crown jewel of America. But we have the opportunity and we have the choice to make to educate ourselves, to do our research and vote for the right candidates, to uplift each other and to look out for our brothers and sisters. Take social media breaks. Go outside, get some fresh air. But we have to stay in this for the long haul. Because while it's easy to check out, a lot of us don't have that luxury. I think the only thing you can do that makes you feel any better about it is to get involved and be active. And and that doesn't – I don't think being outraged counts. Being outraged is appropriate, but it won't make you feel any better. And I don't think just sort of like unleashing you know, a Twitter rage on somebody really counts either. Call your senators. Call your congresspeople. Know who is running in your local elections. And for God's sakes, vote. There's great candidates who stand for real change, who are fired up and on a wave of momentum running. Vote for somebody. That's how you'll feel better. For me, self-care today means trying to remain in a space of gratitude and still being very conscious about what's happening in our world and thinking about how I can impact change and then taking action to make change, whether that's making phone calls or voting or sharing information with others or making donations. But we do, as a whole, we need to start speaking up and demanding different things from our government because if we don't, no one is. I process this sometimes with laughter. Um, It's good to be able to make fun of ridiculous things because we are living in a ridiculous time. Uh, But sometimes that's not enough. And sometimes processing it is much darker. I think it's so important to keep an eye on the future, keep an eye on eye ahead. But at the same time, we have to start looking at our past and realizing that some of these things, they're not new. They're just, we're just seeing them for the first time. Um, How do I process this? I make sure I do whatever I can every single day in meditation and mindfulness in practice and connection to myself and my soul to wash away the stresses of daily life. Uh, But I have two little kids and every day I wake up at 530 and meditate and I run three days a week and I practice gratitude for what I do have in my life. And I'm grateful for the freedom I have. So I need to use it to help others that don't have that same gift. And for me, processing, well, it looks like some weed, but more importantly, it's making sure that I don't check out completely and that I spread a message as best I can about what's happening while also keeping my family safe. I think more so now than ever, we need to stand up and keep fighting and calling our representatives and protesting and posting on social media 
our viewpoints, it's so important to keep fighting and to use our voices for the people who have been silenced in this nation. It's hard to process and I'm not sure I've found a successful way or a healthy solution yet, except to sort of try to refocus my mind on progress um, and things I can control. And so what I've been doing to take care of myself is deleting the Facebook app from my phone so I don't have to see the posts that make me want to hit my head on the wall. Um, I hug my dog and I watch funny YouTube videos and I hope we're all going to be okay. I process everything by discussing it with people I'm close to, people who I respect their opinions. And my self-care involves a lot of meditation and reminders to myself that everything is impermanent and will pass. I've been doing a lot of learning and researching in the past year or so. And so I know that when people say, um, this is not who we are, a lot of times that isn't true. Our country has a really long history of unfortunately... um, creating a lot of terrible acts against humanity. So I just want to do my part um, to reverse that and change things going forward. So I feel like I have to fight and keep advocating every single day to keep making a difference um, because I don't want to lose momentum and stop doing my part. So practicing self-care and processing this is difficult. Taking deep breaths, reading trusted news sources, venting, um, and also using comedy. I have absolutely fallen in love with late night comedy and their ways of processing the news and poking fun at it because it's easier to laugh than it is to do other things. I've been practicing self-care by taking long baths. Honestly, I know it sounds cheesy, but (laughs) taking long baths um, taking long walks, exercising regularly, and spending time away from my phone. Um, I've gone as far as getting out of town when I was afraid that, you know, Kim Jong-un or him were going to get into a nuclear bomb fight. Um, I've, you know, taken ayahuasca to confront my fears. Um, I even have a death doula coming tomorrow night to take me through what it feels like to die so I'm not so afraid of it. I'm trying to process it by just being present where I am, trying to focus on the people who are actually in my life, the work that's actually mine to do, Um, you know, the things that I can actually have an impact on rather than letting my mind wander to all of the shit around the world and around the country that I can't have an impact on. Uh, history also really helps for me learning about how the United States has come through a lot of crazy things before, um, things that in some ways are much more difficult than what we're going through currently. So perspective is great. Processing this means taking a break from the internet when I need it, doing something I love, like going to pet some dogs or doing a craft or reading a book, um, and getting involved, donating, finding out ways that I can help. 
I take part in things, um, whether that's calling my senator or donating money or whatever simple thing it may be. Um, but I think the thing that I've realized is, is even though I think it's important to read the news, our news is so focused on what is happening that's very negative and dramatic in our country when there's so much more going on around our world. And so it's just been my one intentional attempt at being mindful of being um, just aware of the entire world and not just my country. I haven't figured out how to practice self-care in the midst of what's going on. In fact, I feel like I'm addicted to knowing each new uh, and disgusting or repulsive thing that happens in this 24-hour news cycle. I think I've almost become addicted to the outrage, but what is happening is outrageous. So I know that now is not the time uh, to stick my head in the sand and pretend that everything is okay because it's not. I don't even know where to begin. So I've decided to begin right here. Um, the way to cope for me is being present with those around me to live joyously and lovingly and to pour out my life for those around me and to look, always look for the opportunity to help those in need. I'm contacting my senators, posting on social media. I'm looking for ways to help these families and encourage others to do so as well. And in every day that I get to care for my girls, I am present with them, see their, see their lives as gifts, see our family together as a gift that I far too often take for granted. I cope with it by leaning in and loving the ones around me. I practice self-care by surrounding myself with people that are not afraid to have conversations and teach each other about what's going on. The only way forward is to face the truth. One of the essentials in my self-care is permission. And by permission, I mean in the privilege of my life, giving myself permission to stop and grieve when the news is too much. I, I, I could get into self-judgment and, and avoiding that and allowing myself to crawl into the fetal position and cry for a little while, if that's what I need, that then uh, letting my energy flow and getting back to a grounded place so that I perhaps can be of service to someone. Um, I, I found that I needed that permission for myself and it's, it's helped. And in the course of the last couple of days in reaching out to connect with people in my life, I'm recognizing they need that permission too. When I need a moment of diversion and entertainment, I am so comforted by Parks and Rec. <laughs> um, it's an old favorite show. I love going back to it anyway. And there's in the character of Leslie Nope, her wide-eyed optimism and her, um, her love, her, her passion around political service and being, um, in service to her community. It's so soothing. It is the antidote to what I'm seeing in our political climate right now. And, um, it is total fantasy and so helpful. <laughs> So much of mental health for me is about making sure that my mind isn't being pulled in too many different directions. I tend to remove myself um, from all the conversations just so that I can process this by myself um, without being heavily influenced. Um, therefore, 
being able to make a solid and um, self-defined decision on it, I feel like I can help others better um, educate and understand it better. My partner and I took a two-week road trip through the Ozarks early a couple of months back, and that trip was really designed. Um, that's a part of the country I'd never traveled, and we camped. And my intention was, first of all, to just see a beautiful area of the country, um, but also it was a part of the country that I felt very disconnected from. Um, that you know, it, it seemed to be socially. Um, in a different place from what my priorities are. I I came away from that trip really hopeful. There were multiple times where I got the sense of like, uh, you know, the response was rooted in, well, you're not from around here, are you? <laughs> um, but there were multiple occasions and um, Missouri really stood out for us as like just this very welcoming and friendly community. And at no point did I have any intention in to getting into politics or hoping to sway people. I really appreciated the connections and the neighborliness and the the generosity that just existed between people. It felt comforting to me to come away from that road trip of like, yeah, those are people who live differently and um, probably, you know, maybe in some cases believe differently and uh, have different priorities. And yet, I had so many instances of generosity and connectedness with them. And I thought, okay, so great. Like that's foundational. Um, You know, what's possible from there? It was a really beautiful and heartwarming trip for me. And when I am in my better days, that is what I come from, is just create the connection. It, It feels so important to me to find the outlet that shifts my anger into action. What role does social media play in the political climate, and in the world as an American. We're more connected, we're more informed than ever before, and we need to take that as a responsibility to use our knowledge to do something. Hey, I just wanted to say one more thing because, um, you know, yeah, social media these days is is a relentless beatdown because the news cycle is so psychotic. And it's disheartening because of the news itself. It's disheartening because, um, you know, our president is calling it fake. It's disheartening because some of the news before all that actually was fake. And so the media kind of deserves it. But it sucks super bad because now it's causing like a huge different problem. It sucks because the media is owned by corporate interests who want to say this stuff to you. But what doesn't suck, and I'm trying to stay positive here, is that Now, people can't get away with shit in different parts of the world and in different parts of our country where they used to be able to get away with it. And now you can just show up with a camera that happens to also be connected to the internet and happens to also be in your pocket and let everyone else know. I feel like social media plays a huge part in my mental health around things happening in America right now because for better or worse, it has shined lights on parts of me that, you know, might not have been triggered or come out or anything like that um, in response to what is going on in our country right now. And, you know, an example of that is that I have finally, you know, sought professional uh, therapy and treatment for my anxiety and depression because of the way that I found, found myself reacting to you know, what I saw on my phone, in the news, 
heard on the streets and now I can come from a more experienced place of sharing information and knowing what can trigger and what can't. And I think that for better or worse, that has helped me. Social media is a huge part of it because I can see what other like-minded people are doing and I can see that I'm not alone in my frustration and sadness. I intentionally make it so that social media plays a minimal role in my education. Uh, I'm more selective with my time and my sources. Uh, and I also set my phone display to grayscale. So everything looks less interesting all the time. The role of social media in mental health, I think it's really important that we can talk to each other, that we can educate each other, that we can empower each other to take actions, to make phone calls, um, and to stand for what is right. I think social media has been extremely unhealthy for me, and I've had to take steps back in order to maintain balance. I find social media has really been a bit oppressive, and I'm so tired of seeing our current president's face, um, but it's hard to ignore today's political climate. With social media, I try to be selective about where I'm getting from my information from and how much time I'm spending looking at political-related content. I also try to use my own platforms to direct people towards ways that they can make a difference and create change. Um, social media, I have to limit to um, no more than 15 minutes a day or it brings me down. I think it's really important for us to be protective of our resources, including our emotional resources um, at this point. We're inundated with things to be freaked out by practically every day. And personally, I, I find myself glued to Twitter for an hour. I'm crying because I've been looking at pictures of children separated from their parents. And meanwhile, my own kid is in the room. He's, he's a few feet away from me and he's not getting any of my attention. So I think um, if you're like me and you've just been feeling overwhelmed it might be time to just get outside for a minute and disconnect from social media um, because I know that I can be a better activist. I can give more of my time. I can give more of my money. I can show up and write letters when I have the resources available. I had something interesting happen um, where I had a friend that was called out in the midst of, uh, he's a male, in the midst of the Me Too movement. Um, and I knew his side of the story actually years ago where he believed it to be consensual with this girl. And then recently she came out to the public that her um, memory of it was not. And uh, it made the news because of his position um, in his company. And um, it was interesting to see how much media writes material strictly for clickbait and just to stir up drama. And it's really made me read everything in the news differently. Um, and not that there's not truth in a lot of it, but just being mindful of the fact that stuff is written just to stir up our emotions. And, um, yeah, so I just think that's something, you know, for us to be mindful of.
So I really value social media because I feel like it's a really great way of getting information. And also um, I've been able to develop a lot of friendships on social media platforms over the years that I really value. Uh, but at the same time, I do notice, um, especially for the last year or so, it is extremely overwhelming some days and emotionally um, draining and can cause a lot of an anxious or depressed thoughts. Um, but at the same time, I really struggle because I don't know when or how to disengage with it because I don't want to um, fall behind and miss out on something that I should know about and should be acting on. Um, and I don't know how to step away from something without stepping too much into my own privilege as a white person and um, just you know, disengaging in a way that maybe I should be still being engaged. Self-care also means for me being very conscious of how I'm consuming media and social media and trying to use that as a tool for change and as a space where I'm able to embrace the joy and the abundance that I have. Uh, however, social media really does make me feel better. I've spent so much time feeling alone because I grew up in a very conservative household in a very conservative state, Michigan. Um, so I find solace in people online who feel the same way that I do. And I learned so much from them. She grew up singing them proud to be an American song. And right now it feels so far from that. It just where we're at in our country right now is just unspeakable and I feel like I woke up in a bad dream and it's I'm not proud to be an American right now and with how what's happening and it just breaks my heart and you know you grew up reading about this stuff in history and it's happening here in 2018 and some days it just leaves me numb and depressed and then I have to remind myself, and maybe this is actually helped through social media, that I need to fuel that feeling and be an activist and speak out and donate to those organizations. But, man, it is hard, and I think that's actually something good coming out of social media right now. Like, yes, there's fake news, but then there's people using their platform to preach truth. I feel like I've removed myself from social media in a way where I'm just a bystander. So it helps a little bit with my mental health. Um, so I'm not in a deep, dark place all the time and kind of constantly in turmoil with everybody else. Social media can be not great, but it can be really great. So I think that making it work for you means following Accounts that are informative and not harmful. I've pretty much abandoned social media at this point. I don't know how to make use of it and incorporate the necessary empathy. After being off social media for close to two years, I returned uh, privately with a name that no one would recognize um, to follow different people that inspire me in different ways. And, and one category is, um, is uh, companies or organizations and individuals that um, are bringing light to things that are going on around the world in Nigeria and Syria and the, both South and North Korea, Mexico, et cetera. I definitely take time away from social media and the news now and then and just focus on trying to stay happy. Social media plays a big role in, in how I get my news, so I try to surround myself and follow accounts that I know are spreading a message of change 
and um, educating other people. The experience of being an American right now is psychosomatic. It is a physical wearing and tearing that comes from mental and cognitive things that disrupt my brain every single day. It is an exhaustion that I cannot escape and the worst part is that social media and the constant updates and the bad news, the good news and the push notifications are the antidote um, to that illness, to those psychosomatic symptoms and the other bad thing is that antidote is kind of making you more sick but you know that you need to keep doing it, you got to stick with it in order to get through it. To me, social media is the only way out. Social media is the only way to activate who we are and what we do in America right now and to create better change and to advocate for bigger things in this country. And sometimes you have to play with the beast in order to um, seduce it, I guess. I just found that social media was making it difficult for me to be focused and present in any one place. I'd be thinking about how I wanted to frame a photo or a comment or, you know, people I wanted to impress. So several years ago, I stopped being active on Facebook and I'm only sporadically active on Instagram. And it's been difficult because there are a lot of people I love who put a lot of their presence on social media. So it feels like I'm I'm not where they are sometimes. I hope that there's a day when I'm able to be healthy and focused and active on social media, but for now I prioritize just being healthy and focused on whatever is actually in front of me. Anna Kaneki is a life coach that works to empower soulful women in finding their strength. Her business, Declare Dominion, is based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where she lives with her husband and their five kids. Anna was generous enough to hop on a Skype call with me and chat about strategies to process what's going on in America and in our bodies so that we can be more effective activists. So, so yeah, so tell, tell me everything. Like, I just want, I want to hear your thoughts. Um, I love that Nick responded and just said like you, this is your, this is your field and you know all about this and you work all about this. And I was like, yes, this is everything. So tell me everything. And I just want to listen. Okay. Um, you know, I know so many creatives are so, what, sensitive and empathic and open to the world. And it's, what makes us good at our jobs, but it also can make it really hard to navigate the world kind of all the time. And I think what we're seeing and feeling right now is that that's just risen to like a fever pitch. Mm. Um, And so a lot of my clients and myself included would describe themselves as empaths. 
And that just means that, you know, we feel other people's feelings. We have extra mirror neurons in our brains. I think that probably we have mirror neurons like disco balls and (laughs) we're just picking up on all the things. And some of it is really easy to explain biologically, neurologically. Um, We know we're taking in information through all of our senses that, you know, we're seeing things, our subconscious mind is taking in way more information than we can process logically. But then I think there's this level that we don't always talk about. You can call it energy. You can call it the subtle realm. Um, But I think a lot of us are tuned into things that we can't always explain and we maybe don't necessarily mention all the time you might call them your your spidey senses or you might just say oh I'm just really good at reading people or oh I'm good at picking up the subtext of a conversation but I do think that there are people especially many creatives who are definitely more connected to stuff than they can necessarily explain and right now you don't have to be particularly sensitive at all to feel like you're being shredded and shattered by what's happening in the United States. But I think that for people who are so sensitive already, uh, it can just feel excruciating. Mm. Does that resonate with what you're experiencing? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, and it, and like you said, it's almost has taken me a minute to, uh, put a, put words on it. It sort of, you know, was this sort of angst that was building. And then sometimes it would come out at just like in the way that I would get irritated with Jaden way, you know, my husband, like way faster than I normally would. Or like I would Mm -hmm. pick on people or just like my, my sort of fuse was shorter than normal where, um, I just felt like what, what is wrong with me? Why am I so in something and then it was almost like when I would go work out and when I would go be in my body then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden my body would just be like hey we're upset like there's there's a lot of anger in here and all of a sudden I'd be like you know in a soul cycle class and all I felt like I just wanted to cry um and I was like that's that's unusual for me um and so Mm -hmm. it took me a minute to kind of figure out what was going on but absolutely I do fully relate to what you're describing I think so many of us go to that place first. We say, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just handle this? Everybody else seems to be walking around, you know, Mm. fine. Why am I falling apart? And I think it's easy for us to see it as a weakness in ourselves. But I actually think it's completely the opposite. I think it's not a weakness. Um, It's much easier to numb out to the world's suffering. Right. And for many, many people across the globe, they have to. It's literally a coping mechanism. They couldn't keep their family alive if they didn't numb out. Um, I think there's an incredible strength in staying connected to the reality of what's happening. I think that if you're feeling shattered, it's because what's happening in the world right now is shattering. We should be shattered. Right. If you feel like your heart is breaking that is because you have a heart that is still beating and alive and is there to break. Mm. So, you know, I think it's this tricky balance. On the one hand, we all have to stay alive, right? We have to keep going. We have to keep taking care of our families and doing our work. Um, We can't afford to numb out. But it's also important that we don't get so burnt out that we don't, you know, over empath so much that we just like flame into little cinder heaps of uselessness either. (laughs) Right. 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 We have to walk that middle line. So how do you, how do you do that? (laughs) I mean, I guess, first of all, how do you, how do you identify 
if you are or if I am what you're describing. Like when you said so many of your clients would identify as empaths and, and even whether or not they identify as an empath, um, you know, how do you, how do you, are there any sort of criteria or things that you think through before you kind of say, okay, yeah, maybe that is what I'm going through or maybe that is what I'm experiencing? Well, I'm going to guess that if they're listening to your podcast right now, they probably are empaths. <laughs> They've never used that word to describe themselves or not. Uh-huh. Um, and everybody has a certain degree of empathy, right? It's just that for some people, it's it's more it's more uh, developed. And I think for some people, they can't seem to turn it off. So, you know, if you find that other people's emotions are very contagious, like if you're with someone who's really angry and you find that you get really agitated, you're probably an empath. If you find that people tend to confide in you, they tend to like dump their sorrows and their pain in in your lap and then they walk away feeling better and you walk away like, you know, weeping, you're probably an empath, Uh right? If you feel very sensitive um, to the world, if you kind of have a, a sense of what people are feeling, if you can really easily put yourself in someone else's shoes and imagine, not just theoretically, but really viscerally imagine what it's like to be them, you're probably an empath. And so when we see horrific things that are happening in the news, it's different. It's not, we're not just understanding it intellectually. We're in some ways, neurologically, actually experiencing what it must be like to be in that moment. So the first thing you can do, it sounds really simple, but you actually said it when you talked about getting into your body. The first thing to do is to remind your mind that right now you are probably physically safe, Mm. that you're, you're reading terrible things and you're hearing about terrible things, but they're not actually happening to you. And that's not cold or cruel. That's actually really important because we're not helpful and useful if we're huddled in a ball on the floor, right? So the first thing you can do is close your eyes and then open them again, but soften them. So when our brain goes into fight or flight mode, our eyes do this intense focus thing where, you know, we're trying to like find the tiger that's about to eat us. Mm. It's a very primal part of our brain. So when you soften your eyes, it actually sends a signal to your brain that says, oh, we're not in immediate danger. It's okay for me to relax. Mm. And that helps your body switch out of that intense fight or flight mode and relax, which is good because that's when your brain comes back online and you can actually think about things and and take action. So the first thing you can do is to calm your body, take some deep breaths. Um, Moving your body is really helpful. Putting your feet on the earth. Energetic types like to call this grounding, but it just feels really good to plant yourself on the earth like a tree. Um, and, and connect with your own body. So do like, you can open and close your fists. You can like touch your own thighs. Um, you can rub your hands together, anything that brings you into the present physical moment and shows you that right now your brain might think that you're having a catastrophic moment, but actually you're safe. Mm. So that's, I think the first and sometimes the most important thing to do. Um, and I think it goes without saying, but if, you know, if you've experienced trauma and you're having a true, like PTSD flashback or episode, you're going to need more than that, right? You need to call somebody, you need to, you know, get in touch with your support team. It's really important. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love that what you said about getting connected to the earth and, and I I have found myself so drawn to nature lately. And again, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things I feel like I'm 
I'm like the last one in the room to be like, oh, is that what's going on? But I've just <laughs> been, I've just been needing that grounding of, you know, being in nature, going on a hike, like even just going to the beach and doing just a walk along the water with bare feet and just being like, okay, I just need to get connected. And I think it can get sort of thrown away as, uh, you know, all that. So fluffy, like woo woo stuff, but really, mm. I don't really care. I don't care whether it's woo woo or not, if it connects me and grounds me and does help bring me into this moment. Um, like you said, there is brain science to it. Like for the science people out there who are like, yeah, yeah, but where's the science behind that? Like it, it actually does impact your brain, um, to practice intentional grounding, um, and to really check in with myself and, and see where am I, where am I going? Where is my, where is, where are my thoughts? Where is my body? Um, mm -hmm. and then for the people who are more open to woo, woo stuff, like they're all going, duh, we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. What about, what about you? Cause I know you have so many beautiful kids. Um, what about being a parent in the, in times like this? What do you, what do oh, you man, do? That is them? the hardest. Yeah. That is the hardest part of it all. Oh, and my kids are really young. My, my oldest is only 11. So we definitely are filtering stuff for them. Mm. And for the little ones, it's, you know, it's so outside, um, anything that they have to understand. One thing about empaths is that if you're, if you've got a lot of like extra antenna that are picking up a lot of stuff, one thing that you might not know about yourself is that you're actually probably a really strong broadcaster as well. And so people who are very sensitive to energy often don't notice that they're also sending out very big energy into the world. And sometimes um, we're not aware of what we're sending out, but it's, it's important to kind of know that this isn't about being weak or wussy. This is that you are really tuned into to energy, to what's happening with people. And in the same way that you can receive that, you also can send that. So what that means is, first of all, if you're super upset, even if you haven't talked to your kids about it, even if you're trying to put on a brave face, they probably already know that something is wrong. So in a lot of ways, there'll be some relief for everybody if you can just sit them down and talk about it and say, you know, I'm really upset about some stuff that's going on in the world, or I feel really angry. Um, and in some ways, knowing that there's something going on that is not about them and it's not to do with their household and their immediate safety might actually be really calming and soothing to them. So that's the first thing is that you may be sending out more energy than you realize. And I think the second thing is is to talk about action and, and to take action. And one of the ways that we can really shift so much of the grief and the anguish that so many of us are feeling is by using it as fuel for action. Um, you know, and it can be so different for different people. For some people, it's making phone calls, it's donating, it's, um, you know, doing fact checks, it's talking to people in their community, it's talking with people in their family, it's talking to people in their congregation. Um, some people are on the front lines, you know, going down and, and taking, you know, teams of lawyers down to help people with this whole debacle. So find something that you can do. Now, I am currently in Canada. I am literally so physically far away from everything that's happening. And I've noticed that one of the places where I can really spiral out 
into despair is feeling like there's nothing I can do. So one of the things that we did was we, we talked to our kids about ways that we could be helpful. And some of these are going to seem, you know, sort of cheesy, but my kids are little and we talked about things that we can do big picture. We, you know, we talk about how we donate to certain groups. We talk about how we give money to the ACLU. Um, we talk a lot about the history of our country, both America and Canada, um, and how much privilege we have as white people. Mm. And so we, we talk pretty openly with them about that stuff, but we also try and bring it down to their level. So we talk about, Hey, did you notice when we went on that field trip, that one kid said he didn't have a lunch and, and he just doesn't like lunch. Do you think that's really why he didn't have a lunch? Oh no, he often doesn't bring a lunch. So we, we try and point out areas where it's not all theoretical, that there are people close at home who are experiencing all kinds of hardship. And while of course that is nothing like being a refugee child ripped from your parents' arms, it does give them a place where they can start to exercise their own compassion. So we pack granola bars in their lunches and we say, these are your kindness bars. Look for someone who might need an extra granola bar and, and go show some kindness in a way that isn't going to be embarrassing. So that might seem like a really teeny tiny thing, um, but it's a way that we feel like we're teaching them to look around the world and think of themselves as people of agency. Even though they're little, even though they're kids, they have the power to, what, to, to do things in this world, to help people, to make a difference. Mm, wow. I mean, you can say that that's little, but I'm like, I'm like over here tearing up just thinking about these little kids. It makes kids me teary having... too when I think about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. And do they come home with stories and, and like, is that a way that you guys get to connect about even just their own experiences with the world? I mean, I, I can only imagine that that is a gateway to so many meaningful conversations with your kids. We do talk about, about all kinds of stuff. Mostly they come home and they're like, well, I'm the only kid in my school who doesn't have a, you know, PS something, some PlayStation thing I've never even heard of. <laughs> but we're trying to shift the tide. Wow. I bet by the time they're in high school, they'll be a little bit more <laughs> aware. But that's incredible. That's really, um, like you said, it's it's little enough, but it's that seed planting that just creates awareness. Um with, with them so that when they're older, they're not even going to have to like work for it. It's just going to be in their brains. Um, we hope is, so. That's the goal, right? <laughs> That's incredible. We also, we also talk a lot about feelings in our household because we have so many people of big feeling, me included. And we talk about how, you know, your feelings aren't bad and it's your job to let them move through you and that you can have your feelings and your feelings can be as, as big as they need to be. Um, but you have to have them in a way that's safe for you and for everybody else. And so we teach them like, you know, how to do like a lion's roar and get your feelings out or go like shake your body or go pound a pillow. And I think sometimes we forget as adults too, that we also need ways to, we need ways to move these big feelings through us. So taking action is one crying is one, you know, shaking your body, moving your body, um, talking about it. Anything you can do that, that keeps that energy from getting stagnant, I think, is, is really powerful in the world. Mm. Mm. <sighs> I'm with you. Um, really. Now, what about, what about social media and the role that social media plays either as, as an empath or just as you know, a citizen of the world right now and the way that social media can kind of, on one hand, feed the feed 
the hatred and the, you know, the fear and the anxiety because it's just sort of seems to be bad news all the time. And yet on the other hand, there's so much good in the way that it empowers people to kind of combine forces in activism and to find people that they thought that they were alone, but, oh, now there's this whole community of people who relate to me. Um, how do you use social media wisely? Well, I don't know that I do use it wisely. <laughs> it's tricky. Okay. Um, it's hard because on the one hand, it's such a, what, it's such a slippery slope, right? I'll be like, I'm just going to go on Facebook for five minutes and see what's happening. Well, 45 minutes later, I'm like this little shriveled, you know, prune <laughs> version of myself and you know, yeah. my eyes are bleeding out my ears and right. So it's, it's tricky. And so in some ways it's important, I think, to set boundaries around it. Like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to look at it after, you know, 7 PM or 8 PM or whatever, or I'm going to look at it for five minutes, but then I'm going to stop. Um, or I'm going to go comment on three things, but then I have to walk away. For me, I need some kind of some kind of rule in place because otherwise, literally four hours later, I can just go down the rabbit hole. But I do think that it is important for us to be engaged. And like it or not, social media is where so many of these important conversations are happening. Mm. They're happening on Twitter. They're happening on Facebook. It's where most people get most of their news. And so I actually think that we can't just... We can't just walk away. We can't just abdicate. I think it's important that we show up and we stay engaged um, and that we're open about the things that we think. You know, I think it's too easy to be like, well, I just I don't want to cause waves or I don't want to make anybody mad. And I think that there's a time for that. I personally think that this is not that time. And now actually is the time when it's so important that we speak up and we are honest about the things that matter to us. I think sometimes things are, are bigger than not causing waves in our social circles. So I think it's important that we show up. I think it's important that we stay engaged. But I also think that it's really easy to get oversaturated and flooded. And you just kind of have to know yourself. Your limit might be two minutes. You know, your limit might be 10 minutes. Maybe yours is an hour. I'm, I'm basically human pulp after an hour. I can't stay on that long. Mm. You just sort of have to have to know. And when you find yourself, when you're like, you can't breathe and you're like, <sighs> and it's all doom and gloom. Okay. Step away. That's, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You passed, you passed that line a few minutes yes. ago. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's a really, it's a really good, good piece of wisdom to, to listen to yourself and to listen to myself and to, um, you know, sometimes for me, I notice that I haven't breathed in like a minute and I'm like, yeah. Oh, my whole body turned into like a rock and my, like my muscles are totally hard. And I'm just like, I haven't breathed cause I'm just so mad and worked up about yes. a thread or a bit of news or a tweet. And I'm just, I'm like, Oh no, even if I didn't consciously realize that I w was going into overwhelm, I, mm -hmm. I passed that point and now I'm there yeah. and it's really, and it's really important yeah. to put the phone down and go mm -hmm. put my feet in some dirt <laughs> mm -hmm. because I'm no longer helpful at that point. I don't know about you. I'm just like steam is coming out of my ears. I'm ranting. I'm, I'm no longer contributing in a useful way to the discussion at that point. Mm, yep. That's a really good thing to hear. Yes. And I think, sort of the last, the last thing that comes up for me and what you're saying is kind of being good 
stewards of who we are when we when we are activists because i think if we are sensitive people if we are creatives who you know pour our hearts and souls and bodies into what we're putting out into the world then if we come at it from anger and rage and like mental breakdown because we haven't taken care of ourselves in so long then our art and what we're creating and putting out into the world is going to reflect that and i think that i've watched certain friends of mine get so worked up about political things that they start saying things on you know twitter or whatever it is where all of a sudden i'm like oh that's not a good look on you like you're actually way way better than that and like what you're what you're capable of when you're in a grounded place is really effective and thoughtful communication mm-hmm. and when you're just angry and venting it's mm-hmm. it just pushes people away and it alienates them and it would be better to just take a step back and then come back when you can really be connected with what you want to communicate and how you want to communicate it, like your ways of being and, and sort of who you're being as you're trying to communicate. Cause I think that that, yeah. that really matters and that really matters in, in, um, conflict resolution. And, and I think that that's what it feels like we're in right now. It just feels like we're in such conflict as a nation and as a world um, that it feels for anyone who's sensitive to conflict, it just sort of feels like this churning that never goes away. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's brutal. So yeah, I really, I hear everything that you're saying and it's beautiful and empowering and honest. And thank you so much for the work you do. And, um, and for the parent that you are as well, it's very inspiring. Well, don't be too inspired. You should have seen me yell at my kids at, you know, 9 a.m. this morning. So, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That Sorry. was not a helpful kind of anger. Well, <laughs> you know. We're all human. We're all human. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Brittany Bussey is an occupational medicine specialist and the medical director of telehealth for Cura MD Incorporated. She was willing to share her perspective on what's happening in America on a deeper neurological level. Okay, so the topic of personal mental health is something that's weighed very heavily on my mind lately, um, not just because of the events in the media, um, you know, it seems like mass suicide of creative people, um, sensitive people, uh, those we look to and respect and admire, but also those people in our personal lives that we seem to be losing um, too soon those people who are truly sensitive to the plight of others and the negativity around them. Um, And I feel like it's coming down to a few really important concepts um, that surround us as human beings and and what our minds are capable of and and even down to the structural level of how our brains are arranged. Um, And I believe we're reaching a turning point in human evolution where our brains are being subjected to 
far more negative data and negative emotions and even emotional data in general through advertisements and, um, you know, pictures and snapshots than our brains are really evolved to tolerate. Um, we have the basis of that, which is the limbic system, and, and that's your emotional processing center. And it's really basic. It's in the midbrain. It's a lower part of the evolved brain. And those thoughts and emotion, or those emotions actually are translated into thoughts by your forebrain. A lot of that depends on your coping mechanisms and how you were raised. Um, that part of your brain can only process thoughts so quickly and as these emotions go through and drive these thoughts we end up kind of swirling around them for long periods of time and so you have to start to come up with the coping mechanism things you learned growing up so then we're looking at the compounding effect that many many more of us are growing up in homes that could even be described as unloving or toxic um we're not receiving the right amount of care to develop our brains and our neurons um, to be receptive to chemicals like oxytocin, which is a bonding hormone. It really connects us to each other. Um, and also dopamine and serotonin, but we find other ways to increase our dopamine and serotonin, whether that's through escapism, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, um, high adrenaline states, um, but even things like watching TV reinforces our dopamine system. Um, and so you're, you're kind of seeing this compounding effect of, of poor brain development and inadequate resources um, that are driving people over the edge. Well, what do they do when you're processing and accepting negative emotions faster than your brain can actually process them through and let go of them? Um, you're going to reach a critical state. And so what we're seeing, I believe, evolutionarily is that there are many people who are what would be described as empaths or highly sensitive people who are over, easily overwhelmed by the emotions of others, especially negative emotions, and they can't find a way to process and release those emotions um, through themselves or through others. And, and they find that they have no other choice um, but to leave this world and, and all the negative things in it. And that's really a hard thing for us to see. But there are other people who are showing us that so a concept called neuroplasticity is possible and that we can actually create these coping mechanisms and retrain our brains to use the neurons that it has and create new networks um, because you're born with a certain number of neurons, but it's a network that we create that can continue to develop throughout time and throughout an aging process. So how do I learn how to make new connections um, rather than just rationalize things away? Um, so coping mechanisms you see in people who are actually able to almost survive and thrive in this environment and go on to create future generations are people who are very adept at decentralizing 
desensitization um, and even demoralization um, and depersonalization. And they tend to um, separate themselves from the community um, and from the divine energy of love by becoming very self-centered and self-focused. And our, our culture reinforces that, you know, even the concept of self-love to me is a little bit difficult um, to see how we can use that productively. Um, it's letting go of the self and moving up from these negative emotions such as, you know, sadness, despair, hopelessness, fear, anger, aggression, pride, and moving into states of, of courage and ultimately love, like pure, infinite love from the source, the love that connects all of us on this underlying level, and even peace. And those of us who have found the neural connections that we need to process and actually let go of these negative emotions and, and not allow them to drive our thoughts um, you will find yourself in this beautiful state of love. And that love, <laughs> I can't even describe it. it. It's everywhere. It's all around us. And it's infinite. And it comes back to you over and over and over again. And you're not sacrificing, you're not giving, you're not empty. You're just full of love. And, and I really feel that those of us who are sensitive enough can tap into this, that we can keep our energy whole, and it builds this resilience in us to the negative emotions. The more you practice something, the more you do it, you take care of it. You know, it's more of a preventative wellness, mental wellness by seeing outside of yourself, by having compassion over and over and over again, it becomes automatic. And people who spend their whole lives circling around these negative emotions can start to grow and let go by seeing it in you and they can be inspired and they can move forward with their own lives and we create this beautiful domino effect. So I see you, your anger. I'm hurt too. I'm angry, but that doesn't help. The more we separate ourselves the more we create our differences, the more we group think and rationalize and, and, and just put us against them, the further we get away from what we really want, which is love. And love is only found in unity and community and, and that commune with the divine and infinite. And there's no other way to reach it than by fully letting go of yourself, of your ego, and, and really healing your own unconscious and subconscious and doing it every single day until you become immune to these negative emotions and you can walk through life, you know, giving to others freely, forgiving others freely, and loving others freely. I think that's really the key. Be an American means to prioritize freedom above everything else. But at what cost is that freedom? To be an American means to wrestle and reckon with our past, with the sins of our fathers, with the failures of our government. But it also means that we have the potential to be better. 
to be an American means that I know that I can do better and I can be better. To be an American means to dream, to build a new future out of the rubble of our history. Ideals like liberty, justice, freedom are what it means to be an American. I am an American. So what's next? What's next for all of us? First of all, I hope that you're registered to vote. Absolutely vote, 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 no matter what. Next, I hope that you'll connect with me and with others on social media or in person and share the positive things, what you are experiencing, how you're coping with it, and what your next strategies are for the next thing that you're going to be an activist about. Thanks so much for being a part of my wild experiment. Until next week. Okay, okay, okay. I know I keep calling back, um, but I thought of one more thing that seemed important, important at least to me to get off my chest, which is that even if the endless cycle of bad news makes you feel like giving up, you can't give up because the the only people who really want us to give up are the people who want to keep things the way they are and things are fucked up so we can't give up <laughs> so yep uh that's all. I'm I'm going to really try not to call back again. I know you probably have like a bajillion messages you're trying to get through, but uh, uh, I'm sure you'll persevere. You've been listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya? <laughs>